Well, hello and welcome to the Profit Express. I'm Tim Healy, and I'm inviting you to join me each and every Wednesday so you can be prepared to win the battle for business. That's right. So, hey, thanks for your time. Thanks for being on board today, as always. And, of course, a big thank you to our good friends and sponsors at Corbett Public Relations, where they've been promoting and protecting businesses and brands for over 30 years. So do yourself a favor. Visit Bill and his team at CorbettPR.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T-P-R dot com. Welcome aboard, everybody. It's time to win the battle for business, as we always do here on the Profit Express. Now, what would you say if I told you today's guest graduated high school with a 1.2 GPA? He was fired as a construction laborer. He was fired from a Little Caesars job at a Little Caesars pizza restaurant. He was fired at a, as a waiter at another restaurant. He ended up having to sell his furniture. He had, had to end up pawning his new wife's jewelry to feed his family. His electricity was cut off numerous times. He had cars, as in plural, cars repossessed. That's how the journey began. But as he sits here today, he's actually a two-time best-selling author. He is a serial entrepreneur who has created and co-created several businesses in various industries that when they're at their height, they were grossing revenue north of half a billion dollars. He sold them and one even went public. So it's kind of hard to believe that you can go from a 1.2 GPA not being able to hold down a job to being a multimillionaire with two best-selling books. But that's exactly what today's guest did. And as you can see his book right here, he is Brian Will. And he's written a number of books, but this one in particular talks about his story. And I find his story fascinating, and that's why I'm having him on the Profit Express today. And as you can see, it's I Give Dumb Kids Hope. And let me just get the, the subtitle of this. 57 Life Lessons to Take You from Life Despair to Multi-Millionaire. So uh, I, I love the, the titles on that. So listen, you're a fan of the show. You're a follower of the show. You listen to the show. You know it's about winning the battle for business. And success in business, success in life is not easy. We all know that. There are hurdles, landmines along the way. And it is the story of Brian Will and how he came up that is exactly the kind of story that I want to share with you today. So it's a pleasure to have on board the Profit Express. Brian Will, how are you today? Tim, I appreciate you having me on the show. This is going to be awesome. I, I, I was looking forward to this when I saw it on my calendar. I'm doing good. <laughs> well, thank you. Now you're putting pressure on the host. Now I got, I got to do an excellent job here. It's, you know, but I'll, I'll do my best. But listen, it's all about the great guests that I have. That's what makes this show. I'm just a talking head here. But uh, so, you know, listen, as I just said, a 1.2 GPA, uh, you know, couldn't hold on to a job. But there's also something, you know, unfortunately, on a more serious note with, you know, your background growing up. Unfortunately, your parents were, were abusive in the sense that they said, hey, you're not going to amount to anything. What did those words, which when, when, when a child hears their parents telling them those kinds of things, they're not going to amount to anything. Th those are soul-crushing words. What effect did those words have on you and how do they help you get to where you are today? You know, Tim, those words 
were actually worse than what you said. I appreciate you being nice about that. <laughs> and some of the things that I had to deal with growing up were also much worse. There was all kinds of abuse from physical, mental, and sexual abuse that, that I don't get into a lot of the details of. But, you know, I talk about in my book that people that go through trauma at a young age, and I call it the three different paths, right? Some of those people get traumatized and it, it destroys them and they never amount to anything in life because they just, mm -hmm. they can't, they can't deal with it. Right. So they do nothing. Some of those people, we call it the abused becomes the abuser and they carry that pattern on. And then there's that third set of people who they break that cycle. They break the cycle, but they use that trauma and they use that pain and they use that anger as fuel. And that's what I did. And they use that fuel to drive them to do things that most people will not. And you see this a lot in CEOs. You see it a lot in musicians and actors. Uh, they have had trauma that ha they have used as fuel to drive them to do things, uh, extraordinary things and had, you know, have great success. And in my case, fortunately, for whatever reason, I fell into that third bucket and I, I called it my anger box. And I, I, I pushed all that anger down into that anger box. And then I kept the lid on it and cracked it just enough every now and then to let a little bit out to keep pushing me forward. Uh, when things got tough. So it, it, it sucks as a child, I got to tell you. And I, and I don't know yeah. why I was in that third box, but I was. And fortunately, I was able to use that to uh, help me do a lot of good things in life. Yeah, you, you spoke about quite a bit in the book as to how, and again, this is how I, I read it or how I interpreted it. It was like almost like a, a self-managed anger that allowed you to interact with people. And like, you know, even from sales and negotiating from that perspective, that fortunately... You were able to harness that, but, but also it kept you at a distance from a lot of people for a long time too, didn't it? Yeah. Yep. I call it sitting on, sitting on the balcony, watching your life go by. Right. So, and I've had counselors tell me that I, I almost disassociated with my own person because mentally I didn't want to deal with what I had to go through. So I always watched my life mm -hmm. sitting on a balcony and I'd watch my life go by and I'd watch things that would happen to me. And it carried forward into my young adulthood where I would have conversations, but I would literally be listening to myself talk and almost watching myself in third person, as well as watching the people around me react to what's going on. Um, it, it wow. unfortunately, it also kept me from having close relationships as, uh, yeah. as a child, as a young adult, really into my thirties and forties, uh, just because of a level of mistrust and a lack of a lack of a connection. You know, I was, mm -hmm. I just, I had a challenge with connecting with people, um, for, a long, 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 long time. I've, I've, I've somewhat come over that. It's, I'm not great, still the best at it, but, uh, but yeah, it's a lack of you've, connection and that third party view that, that I lived most of my life in. Well, you, you've obviously, you, you've certainly come a long way f uh, for it. Um, and it, even on a personal level, that's just a, a great story to share. Cause unfortunately, you know, as you know, uh, and I don't say this lightly that a lot of, a lot of uh, children are victims of abuse. You, you know, mm -hmm. and, and hearing from someone like you, you, you know, there's they can find, you know, you know, uh, you know, in, incentive in that they, they can find comfort in your words, knowing that no matter what the background, you know, there's still great opportunity for success in life, despite that. Um, it's amazing when I wrote the book and it came out and I'll, I'll tell you this quick story. Yeah, I wrote it and it was semi cathartic, right? Mm -hmm. you're getting it out there, you're putting it out there and you're excited about the book coming out. And then when the day it actually came out, I had like a mini panic attack, like, holy crap, now everybody's going to know. Because wow. I'd never told these stories before. 
And then you're like, oh my gosh, everybody's now going to know all my dirty little secrets in my past and the things that I did and the issues that I had. And, you know, when I was 10 or 12 years old, I put a gun to my head and thought about killing myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, These are things that nobody knew. But then all of a sudden I start getting messages, not just from strangers, but literally people that I grew up with saying, holy crap, we didn't know that you went through that. And by the way, I went through some of the same things and I've never told a soul until I read your book. So I almost felt like a grief counselor for, you know, the first couple of months when the book came out because so many people were emailing me and sending me messages. That's so, so wow. So you say it's cathartic. So you write the book the day it gets released. You have a panic attack because you've never shared the stories. And I, I can yeah. totally understand that because it's hard to be authentic. You know, we talk about that a lot in business today, you know, being authentic, being genuine. Um, but in those situations, it can be hard because it's so personal. So you do it and you have that panic. But what you really find out is, you know, people you grew up with, you know, in the neighborhood, friends, et cetera, they're like, wow, and kind of thanking you for sharing because they went through some similar things. Yep, exactly. Wow. That's liberating. A surprising number of people have had childhoods that were traumatic. Wow. All right. So listen, I, I, I think there was more reasons than one for you writing this book, and I think, you, you know, you found out about it on that day. <laughs> so, all right, so l- let's get back to because – you know, your stories throughout the book are, are really interesting. And, you know, you talked a lot about the fact that you weren't the greatest student, you know, graduating with a 1.2 GPA. And there's this story in the book where you were on the verge of failing out as 11th grade. The principal finally catches up with you and says, hey, listen, you know, either you're passing these finals or you're going to have to repeat 11th grade. And you didn't want any part of that. And you described it as the first time in your life that you cut a deal. Yeah. You kind of, you, you sold something. Take us back to what that story meant for you. You know, it's funny when you look back at your life and I, I use this example of a podcast I did out of London. It's called connecting the dots. And it's all about connecting the dots in your life from where you are all the way back to the beginning. And you don't see these things when they're happening most of the time, if ever. But when you look back on your life, you can start connecting dots and seeing when things happened, why they happened and how they happened. And that was kind of the the genesis of that was the first time I ever sold something and I had to sell myself and I had to cut a deal because it was the 11th grade. I was 16 and I my I was what we call a latchkey kid back then. Right. My parents yeah, were gone yeah. when I got up. I came home. I had a key around my neck. I let myself in. Well, by the time I got into high school, I just stopped going to school. I just wouldn't show up or I'd show up whenever I felt like it. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got into the 11th grade, I was so angry. I was an angry young man and I hated everything and everybody. And I felt like everybody didn't like me. And so I just didn't go. Yeah. But back in 1982, by the way, they didn't have computers. Everything, you know, right, kids yeah. today don't realize there was such a thing as a world without computers and cell phones. Yeah. So, you know, people didn't really <laughs> figure out that I wasn't showing up until right. the end of the first semester. I, I show my, I have my, my grade card from the 11th grade that I put in some of my speeches, I missed 42 out of the first 90 days oh. and nobody knew. Well, the, the, the lady that ran the office knew, but her daughter was madly in love with me. And that's a whole other story. So she didn't tell anybody <laughs> another thing you can't get away with today. Right. Right. So anyway, by the time I got to the midterms that, that year, the, the principal called me in and he said, I just, you didn't show up for the midterms. And I said, yeah, I know. And he goes, and I just found out you've missed 42 days. I said, yeah, I didn't feel like coming. And he said, well, you've, you're being expelled. You're out. Right. And 
there were two things that I really enjoyed. They were my two driving motivators when I was that age. One was music. I was a musician. Mm -hmm. And second was pole vaulting. I was on the track team. But when he told me I was kicked out, that meant I can't do either one of the only two things I cared about in life. Right. So I got, I went into panic mode and I said, you can't kick me out. It can't happen. I got to stay. I don't want to be off the track team. I don't want to get out of the band. I'll make you a deal. And I don't know where this came from, but I said, I'll make you a deal. Uh, it's like a Friday. If you let me take the midterm exams on Monday, if I get a B, you can give me a D and let me stay in school. If I get less than a B, you can fail me. I'll, I'll drop out and I might see you next year. Maybe I don't know if I will or not. Right. And he was a good guy and he said, I got nothing to lose here. So I'll give you one shot again. This would not happen today. Right. And I went home and I studied over the weekend. I went back and took my tests and I got all B's and he gave me D's and he let me stay in school. And he said, I can't believe you passed, but I am adding one more stipulation. That's you're not allowed to miss any more school. I said, so I have to be here every day. He said, yes, you do. And I said, all right. So I cut the deal and I stayed in school and ended up graduating with a 1.2, as you said in the beginning, which is out of 82 kids, I graduated number 80 only because the other two failed out of school and quit. Wow. So, you know, it's it's funny, like you said, you you weren't necessarily thinking about sales and entrepreneurship, but you just said, hey, listen, I, I got a deal for you. And this is to the principal. That takes some hustle, you know, as, as a junior in high school to say that to the principal. But I mean, I, again, that's what, and I don't have to tell you, you know, that's what makes so many entrepreneurs, their, their willingness to, to pivot and to make deals and to make something out of nothing, which, you know, is what you did. I love it. I, I have, I've trained a thousand salespeople and I'm telling you some of my best salespeople are people that have had some kind of trouble in their background and have had to scramble and hustle to talk their way out of things. And they become yeah. very good at talking other people into things. Now, what am just the observation. To... Yeah, yeah, no, no. And so it leads me to my next point then, Brian. And I'm going to put you some very good company right now. I, I've been fortunate. I've been blessed over my, my career with the show, the, po- the Profit Express. It's been over like 13 years now. I've interviewed George Foreman. And, you know, mm-hmm. boxing legend, you know, the lean, mean, grilling machine legend. And, you know, he had a tough uh, childhood growing up, super poor. He ended up in jail. I've had Barbara mm-hmm. Corcoran on Shark Tank. She grew up poor. She grew up with dyslexia. And so many of, you know, whether c- celebrities, well-known entrepreneurs. And that, that's why I gravitated to your story. Because it was such a rough background. And like you said in the beginning, that you know people end up one of three ways, and you ended up the way kind of channeling the challenges into success, and that's what the, you know George Foreman was able to do, Barbara Corcoran was able to do, it. and that is one of the as you just said some of the salespeople you've trained. That's that common thread for so many of us. We've had some crappy backgrounds or crappy experiences, mm-hmm. but we make the most of them. You got to push on. Absolutely, absolutely. So, all right. There are two experiences that really helped form you from the business perspective, two jobs, if you will, the landscaping job and Amway. What did yeah. you learn from each? I, I thought those are, those are very interesting stories. You know, I was 18. I had just gotten off act. I was 19 or 20. I'd just gotten off active duty mm-hmm. and I was going to try to go to college. Back then, if you went into military, I was part of the Air Force Academy, not Air Force Academy, 
Community College of the Air Force. That's what it was. Right. So I could automatically transfer into Ohio State. So I did. And I got to Ohio State. And of course, I was a terrible student in high school. I never learned how to study. So I certainly couldn't study in college. And I didn't have any money and I had to survive. So I went down and got a job at a pizza place and I was delivering pizzas. That was my job. Right. And the guy that I worked for delivering pizzas was in the Amway business. And I'm 18. All I knew in life was I had to succeed. That was like right. my number one goal because it was that giant chip on my shoulder that everybody thought I was dumb and everybody didn't like me. And I had this massive drive to prove everybody wrong and to prove that I could be successful. I was not the loser that everybody thought I was. That was, a ma that was the only goal I had in life was I needed to be successful. And along comes this guy in Amway and he starts introducing me to people who have lots of money and nice cars and big houses. And he's like, you can do this and you need to start reading these books. And so I started absorbing positive mental attitude books and business yeah. books. I mean, yeah. by the hundreds, I would just absorb them. Right. And I never made any money in the Amway business, but I will tell you that it probably was the biggest early change in my life to set me on a track of business, understanding that you can do things understanding what's possible, being around people who were positive all the time, who would always tell you how you could do things and you could succeed and never did an Amway, but uh, <laughs> that changed my life only because it put me on a track of, well, I can be self-employed. I can do this. I'm, I'm capable. Right. So that was, that was a, a big one with the Amway business. And then right. when I started my first company, I had just gotten married. I had no job, no car and no place to live. I was oh, a real wow. winner. I don't have any idea why she married me. <laughs> oh, man. So me and my new wife moved into my grandmother's back bedroom. And my buddy called and said, hey, do you want a job working on our mowing crew landscaping or just mowing grass? And yeah. I was like, how much does it pay? He's like four bucks an hour. I'm like, I'll take it. But you have to pick me up because I don't have a car. <laughs> so I went to work for these guys mowing grass. Right. And the story is we were doing about $2,000 a week. This is in 1987. Okay. I was making four bucks an hour. That was 160. Matt was making 200 and I think Steve was making four. So we were, we were burning a thousand a week out of the 2000 we were generating. And at the end of the day, we'd go home and we'd drop by this guy's house and we'd get out of the truck and hand him all the money. And then we'd go put the equipment away, come back the next morning and do it again. Right. And after two weeks of that, I thought to myself, anybody can mow grass. It is not that hard. So I started my first business, Diamond Lawnscape, and I got a ream of paper and I printed cheap grass mowing, call me, I'm local, and stuck it in mailboxes all over town. We had real mailboxes back then, not these email mailboxes. Right, exactly. Uh, and that's how I started my first business. And, and then eight years later, I had seven franchises and, you know, we were doing millions and millions of dollars a year and I thought I was really smart and, and then it all crashed and collapsed around me and I lost everything. So, 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 kind so of a, in, in the landscaping business, then you, you parlayed the landscaping business into a franchise of landscaping businesses. So for whatever reason, I was pretty good at setting up systems. Again, unknown, people have unknown talents, by the way, that you don't find out about until you actually do them. I, I, mm -hmm. I find this fascinating. And one of them apparently was that I was good at setting up systems. So I set up a system where we had taken every apartment complex in the Metro Atlanta area, loaded into a database, called them, found out when they were doing bids and how, who they were doing it with. And then we just put, I hired a, a person to just call all the time, every time something was coming up. And we ended up building this machine, this marketing machine. And then I was going to sell the business and the business broker says, I love this comment. He says, what are you going to do next? I said, what do you mean? 
He goes, well, yeah. let's say I get a million dollars for the business. Mm -hmm. After you pay taxes and do this and that, you're not allowed to be in landscaping anymore because you're having non-compete. You have no other discernible skills and you have no education. What are you going to do with your life? You ain't got enough money to live on. And I was right. like, I, I've never thought of that. I have no idea. And he goes, why don't you franchise it? And I said, I don't know anything about franchising. How much does it cost? And he told me, and I said, why don't you be my partner and you do the franchising piece? And so he agreed and we started a franchise company. And within a year we sold seven units and we were rolling until I figured out that half the legal stuff he did was wrong. And we ended up getting sued and lost our contracts and lost my franchises and the whole thing collapsed around me. A lot, a lot of good lessons in there. <laughs> So, all right, and, and you talk about it in the book, which leads to the next question, perfect segue. If the, because again, you, you, you were quite successful. You, you were living large, according to a lot of people, okay? Yep. Uh, for, for certainly a period of time, okay? The house is, the car is doing well, et cetera. Um, but then you clearly mentioned that if it weren't for the failure of the landscaping business, which was devastating to you at the time, it would mm -hmm. not have set you up for what was to be your real success. And Every failure I've ever right? gone through led to something better. Every single failure. And again, this is one of those things where you go back in life and connect the dots and you say, well, gosh, that landscaping failure was devastating and I lost everything and I had to sell my mm -hmm. furniture. And my mom came and she said, where's the furniture? And you have a baby. And I said, I had to sell it for food. And she said, I'll buy you furniture. And she did. And when she left, I sold that furniture. <laughs> right. Like I, I wasn't worried about where to sit. I was worried about eating. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. But that and I hated landscaping, by the way, every day for 10 years, I was miserable. Really? If it hadn't failed, I might still be a landscaper today. But it did. And it moved me into a different industry, which was a buddy telling me I should sell insurance, which I was like, there's no way I'm selling insurance. I sold cars. I did Amway. I'm not going to be an insurance salesman. Right. Never. Right. Right. Six months later, I was selling insurance. Uh, which a year and a half later, because it was the dawn of the internet, I ended up selling, we had developed this virtual sales center, which today we call a direct to consumer, uh, direct to consumer call center. Sure. Yeah. And I was bought by a venture capital firm. Well, if I hadn't failed in landscaping, I wouldn't have built the insurance thing. I wouldn't have figured out how to build a direct to consumer call center. And I wouldn't have got bought by a venture capital firm, which led me to another venture capital exit, a private equity exit, consulting for fortune 500 companies, writing books, getting into politics. Everything in my life was a progression based on that first failure. Not to mention all and, the lessons I learned in that failure that I was able to carry forward. And, you know, now you've finally gotten on the Profit Express. So this is clearly the, the you know, crap. It is the culmination of, of my life, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I have made it. I'm retiring tomorrow. Congratulations, <laughs> sir. We'll uh, send you a nifty mug in the mail. As, as, Please, uh, I need a oh, mug. Absolutely. Um, no, uh, so... Again, these are the stories I love on the Profit Express. Talk about winning the battle for business. Brian Will is doing it right here. And again, the book, I love this one. I give dumb the dumb kids hope, 57 life lessons to take you from life of despair to multi-millionaire. Uh, Can I tell you the story where the title came from? I, sure. So, uh, and that title sat on my computer for about 15 years before the book was written. But my kids went to this private school and we had sold our second and third company. And I'm, I'm just flush with cash. Mm -hmm. We're living in a 10,000 square foot house. The, the kids in her private school called the mansion. I had a lake house and a beach house and an airplane, a boat and wave runners and motorcycles. I have everything everybody thinks they want in life, right? 
and I didn't have to work because we'd sold the companies. Well, my kids went to this private school and this private school really pushed these kids, in my opinion, too hard. And they would have three or four hours of homework every single night. And my daughter would be up till 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night doing homework. And we used to get in these little arguments and I tell her to go to bed. I mean, it's not healthy for a 15 year old kid to be up at two o'clock in the morning studying to have to get up at six and go to school. Yeah. So one morning is about 2 a.m. I woke up and I walked into the kitchen and my daughter was laying on the hardwood floors studying. And I said, honey, what are you doing? And she's like, I have to study. I'm like, you need to go to bed. Like I'm now a little bit angry. She goes, daddy, you are not supporting my educational goals. I have to get a good grade so I can get in a good college, so I can get a good job. I said, honey, your education is not that important. It's not more important than you. Right. And she said, yes, it is. And I said, well, then how do you explain me? I am the kid who failed out of high school, graduated at 1.2, never went to college, and we are living in the castle. And she said, daddy, you know, it's funny. We were talking about you in class the other day, and we decided you give the dumb kids hope. Your and I just looked at her. I said, it. well, that's the title of my first book. Holy crap. So, so your daughter came up with that title. Just off the cuff at 2 a.m. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, so, so it sat on my computer for 15 years before I ended up writing it. So that, so that talk about incentive. So, all right, th that, that's a great story, but l let me do this though. So, as you have, as we've talked about Brian Will's life, okay, from very early on up until the success you're enjoying today, there is um, a chronology and timeline of a lot of failures. And I'm not just trying mm -hmm. to sensationalize it. It is what it is. It's what you share. It's in the book. And as you said a few minutes ago, very clearly, and I want the listeners to hear this one. You're like, hey, Tim, you know, this failure set me up for that. And it was a series of failures, again, leading you to where you ultimately are today. And again, unfortunately, you had a rough um, childhood with the family and the parents, et cetera. But were there points in that journey that you said, all right, this, uh, uh, this is nonsense. Uh, I'm, I'm not. You know, I'm not going to try and open a business. I'm just going to get some job somewhere. What, what, what kept you keeping on? You know, it's an interesting question. And somebody asked me also about my military background and how that affected me. And I think one of the things I reflected on was when I was in the military, it's funny, it starts right when you get to basic training and you get there in your first or second day, you're like, holy shit, I have made a huge mistake. What the hell am I doing in the military? This sucks. I don't want to be here. And the drill instructor would say, no problem. You want to go to jail? You're like, no. It's like, well, then you're going to keep moving on. You don't have a choice. You sign on the dotted line. This is your deal. You have no choice. You're going to do this, or I can put you in jail. And so you learn very quickly that you have to mentally just forget about quitting. There is no such thing. You just move forward no matter what, right? And I, I think about what in business, too many people, they quit before they ever really get started or they quit right before they're about to have success. And I've just never had quit in me. And not to mention the fact that when that landscaping company failed, I was married with a three-year-old who needed open heart surgery. It's not like I was going to quit. What was I going to do? You have to get up the next day and you have to push forward and you have to figure it out. And every mistake I've ever made, I can remember sitting in a restaurant with my wife and I, I was slumped over in a chair and something we had done was failed. And I remember looking at her and I'm like, 
I can barely afford to pay for this hamburger. I don't know how I'm going to go on. I just, I don't know. And she said, you don't have a choice. And I was like, damn it. Yeah. You're right. And so you pick yourself back up and you might not like it and it might suck and it might hurt and you might not have the positive attitude, but you just move forward. And if you keep moving forward and you learn from every mistake, you will get to success. You will, as long as you don't quit. Let me ask you this. You were, here's a scenario. You're a good student. You get a 3.8 GPA. You go to a nice college, you get a nice degree, you get a job. Are you going to be as successful as you are today? Gosh, that's a very good question. And I will tell you that I call this my hundred rules of success, right? Mm -hmm. My hundred rules of success say wherever you are to wherever you want to go, there are going to be a number of lessons and a number of failures you're going to have to go through. Everybody has to go through them. Depending on where you start in life will depend on how many of those hundred, the hundred is just a made up number, by the way, okay. how many of those hundred you have to go through. If you started with a good education, you, you've got money, your family's good, you've got backing, you've got mentors, you might start at 50 and you have to learn a hell of a lot less lessons. Then there are people like me. I had nothing. I started at zero. Right. In fact, the subtitle to that book originally was starting life at zero. So I had to go through all of them. Anybody can get to the top as long as they're willing to go through all the lessons necessary to get there. Now, does somebody with no trauma, with no pain, with no uh, background that's made them push to go through things that suck, are they going to be able to do it? They can if they want to, uh, but they're going to have to want it just like everybody else does. So the answer is yes, they can. The, the question is, will they? Do they want it bad enough? Well, right. The two things, how, how bad do you want it? And, yep. you know, are you going to, will you quit or not? And I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, in the book you shared that that famous old story of the young guy who went to the old guru and said, hey, how do I succeed? Yep. And he dunks him under Love the water. Love that story. Oh, what a classic. When I read that, I'm like, oh, man. Um, That's how I, bad I, I wanted to succeed. When you, yeah, Tim, you, I, I tell people this all the time. Listen, when I spent the first 40 years of my life fighting with the world and fighting with everybody who I thought looked down on me and all those people that I thought thought I was stupid and the teachers that failed me and my parents that did what they did. And, and I, I spent 40 years fighting like hell to prove to them they were wrong. And you know, that's the funny thing about psychology is at some point, if you, if you do enough introspection and you, you, you look at your life, you, you come to realize that it's not the world you're fighting. It's your own self-image. It's me I had to prove to that what I was worthy. It's me I had to prove to that I wasn't a loser. It was me. Those people didn't care about me. They, they've never thought about me in 40 years. They're still living in my head. And, and, they, and they drove me. I'll give, I'll give you that. But yeah. it was me that I had to overcome. It was my own self-image, my own self-worth, and my own doubts that I was fighting for all that time. It's, it's funny. And, and, you know, you said Amway got you on the path of reading uh, you know, the, the self-empowerment, the self-improvement books, et cetera. Um, and it's just, you know, just in having this conversation with you today, Brian, it's just how important it is. And I'm sure, you know, in your consulting business, you, you tell your clients this, how valuable the real estate is between our left and right ear and how careful we have to be with what we let in between those two ears.
And like you said, those everything in life is about what's what you allow into your brain. <laughs> everything. Yeah. It, it's the it's the old adage of. I, I ask people, so Tim, I, I, do you know anybody that everything they do seems to work? It's just like, oh my God, that guy, everything he touches turns to gold. Mm -hmm. And do you know people you go, good Lord, that person cannot get out of their own way. I mean, they just crash and burn everything they do. The difference between those two people is the same difference between you and me and Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and Bill Gates. You know the difference? It's only the way we think. There's no difference between me and you and Bill Gates and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos other than the way they think. And there's no difference between somebody who fails and somebody who succeeds other than the way they think. And you've got to protect this brain, this subconscious, this personal filter, I call it. Mm. You've got to protect that filter because it is literally accepting and rejecting information in real time without you even thinking about it. It's accepting and rejecting information based on everything you've allowed in your brain in the past. And unfortunately, if there's garbage in your brain, it's probably accepting garbage and it's not ac accepting the success. The difference between me and you and Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk is they know how to accept information that makes them who they are. We haven't figured that out yet, right? We think differently. And if you're not succeeding, it's probably because you don't know how because your brain doesn't know what to accept and reject. That's why you've got to read, 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 listen to podcasts, get around good people and retrain your brain to accept success and positive as opposed to negative. Well, that's like a mic drop comment there almost. That we could have ended the interview on that one. I wanted to go a little further, but that, <laughs> that was that was really good. That was very well said, Brian. Um, one of the things, and I'm, I'm, I know you'll appreciate it because you just mentioned it, was that in, in 2011, and I had him on the show, 2011, um, Trevor Blake, Three Simple Steps is the name of the book, and it, it, it's a great book, a fantastic book, one of the best I've read. I've read a lot of books like you, and he spoke about thoughts or things and how whatever thought we have, you know, everything in this world, a business, a book, uh, a movie, a car started as a thought, and the power of, you know, thoughts or things, and it had a transformational impact on my life. So the fact that you're sharing this uh, is exactly you know, what people need to hear. And the difference between you, me, and Jeff Bezos is, you know, what are we allowing in our heads? There's a question, Brian, I, I, I like to ask most in most of my interviews. And it's the famous Mulligan question. Now, hold on a second. Just bear with me on this one. So you know the Mulligan question, hey, if you had a do-over, what would it be? And you actually speak about it in your book. And that's when I'm like, oh, I got to ask him the question now because he actually speaks about it in the book. And you said, and I just, I'm, I'm quoting here, so I'm going to look here. It said, uh, da, 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 knowing what I now know, I would have done almost everything differently. Now, I have asked mm -hmm. that question, Brian. This is show number 561, episode 561. I've asked that question a lot, a lot of times. I don't know how many, but a lot. I've never heard that as an answer. <laughs> That is very interesting. Please explain. You know, I took the hard road uh, to get where I am. Mm -hmm. I took that road because that was my journey, right? That's where I started. That was the hand I was dealt. That's what I had to do. That's what I had to do to overcome. Mm -hmm. Knowing what I know today, it would be a different journey because I would have done things different. 
would I be the same person? I don't know. Mm. I also mentioned in the book, and you didn't say this part, is it worth it? Is, is everything I've achieved financially worth what I went through in life? And to me, the answer is no. Mm. Uh, I would trade my life for having a happy childhood. I would trade my life for having my family back together. You know, I got divorced 12 years ago. Mm. I would trade my financial success to have the life that I try to give my children, if that makes sense. Yeah. So for the fun, I tell people this today, one of my statements is, please, please don't win the world and lose everything that's important to you in life. Yeah. Because success and money is one thing, but a happy life is really what it's all about at the end of the day, because we can't take money with us. So doing it over again, yeah, I would have done everything different. Unfortunately, though, that's not my journey. My journey had right. to be what it is, and I had to break the cycle of my family, and I had to do what I needed to do. But I've put my children in a position where they've never had to experience any of those things, and they get to, I, I, I jokingly say, I'm giving my kids the life I always wanted. So yeah, yeah, man, it's, it's part of the part of the job, you know, as as a parent, you know, set the kids up better yep. than we were set up. So, uh, well done on that on that end. So it's it's funny, you had a book, and I do do want to just mention it because again, we're talking about you know, I give hope to the dumb kids. Um, you had a book that you just released on it's I think it's no, it's about sales and negotiations. Um, yep, yep. And usually when I talk to authors, you know, I'm talking about their most recent book. Um, but you indulged me and allowed me to go back to one of your first books because <laughs> I just love, I love the title. I love the story. Um, so again, what, what is that? Cause I like people to check out your, your latest book. What, what is that title again? Yeah. The latest book is called no, it's the psychology of sales and negotiation. If you can see that one, there you go. That, yep. that one just came out. And then the one before that was called the dropout multimillionaire. Okay. Um, Beautiful. which references back to me dropping out of school and having okay. success. So. Yeah, those are the three books. I, I've really enjoyed writing when I when I when I really got into it. It's one of my passions now. Uh, so I got a couple more books in me. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, people getting in touch with you, following you. What's the best way on social to uh, to follow your message? Yeah, BrianWillMedia.com is my website. I am the Dropout MM all over social media, but BrianWillMedia.com has my books, my podcasts, my training, my coaching. Everything's pretty much on there, and then leads you anywhere you want to go. Beautiful, beautiful. Listen, Brian, I want to thank you. Uh, great conversation and a great story in the book. Really enjoyed it today. Tim, I really appreciate you having me on the Profit Express. This was awesome. Thanks. <laughs> My pleasure. And as you know, for those listening, check out all the latest shows as they download Wednesdays and catch the latest conversation that I just had with Brian Wills. We talked about his book, I Give the Dumb Kids Hope. Um, it was an absolutely phenomenal story. It's the kind of stories that I'm proud to share here on the Profit Express to help you win the battle for business each and every week. And if you like what you see, you like what you hear, you know to subscribe, to follow, to hit the like bell, the notification button bell, you know all the yada, yada, yada. Thanks for being on board. And until next time, this is the Profit Express. <laughs>